Support for this podcast comes from PulseM. PulseM is the number one review generation platform built for home services. The majority of SGI members use PulseM for Google reviews, customer communication through text messaging, and much more. For more information, please visit pulseM.me. One of the reasons we were able to hit 1 million, um, even though it was COVID, is our initial uh, revenue goal was like 1.2 million. Mm -hmm. And um, Kurt questioned whether we were going to hit it when COVID hit. And I questioned it a little, I, and I, but I still thought we could. Yeah. And I, I was keeping that mindset that like I was going to do it. I didn't care what happened out there in the outside world. Yeah, right. So, so him and I like took some, some little internal bets on some stuff and everything. But, but the technicians the kept tec their goal. The technicians, what I did was when Kurt thought we were going to do less is, um, we, we have our budgeted revenue and then we have our goal revenue, which is a little higher Yeah. Um, because the goal should be a stretch, Yeah. you know, yeah. and you might not quite hit it and that's okay if you don't, but it was a stretch. And then you have your, your budgeted revenue that you are pretty confident and consistent that you will hit that because that's what your expenses are coming off of. Right. And so you better be pretty close. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, when I kept the I kept the same goal, and so on our goal board that we post, which became digital since we're all mm -hmm. distanced now, not people aren't coming in. When I broke it down for each of the technicians monthly, mm -hmm. um, I still left it at the 1.2. Right. And they right. Di they didn't know what I had it at. They just saw monthly that this is what sure. I'm supposed to hit monthly, and they right. kept that mindset. They kept going, and uh, one of my technicians had said to me. Kevin, he said, if we hit a million, and this was before COVID, if we hit a million, will you take us all to Disney? Really? And I said, yeah, that was what he asked me uh, in our yard one day when he was uh, picking up materials from us. Yeah, in front of everybody. Yeah, and I and I just looked at him and I go, and I thought about it for a moment and I go, yeah, what? I'll do that. <laughs> and so what I ended up doing, um, their paychecks, um, that they are that they just got um, recently. Um, since COVID hit, after that, I I couldn't send everybody to Disney and feel comfortable. Yeah. And sure. but you're going to travel because what if they don't want to travel even? Yeah. So I took and I sat down uh, a couple weeks ago and I put together the price of flights, airfare, meal allowance, rental car, travel, blah, blah, blah. all that stuff, and. I took that amount per person and I just put it on their paycheck and I said, I hope you guys are okay with this. This is your, this is your Disney trip. And if you feel comfortable going to Disney, take this money and go. Um, yeah. I just can't, I, you know, it's up to you. And right. if you, and if you don't feel comfortable going to Disney, then use it for whatever you want. Wow. So. I bet that was a good day for everybody. They were pretty happy. They were pretty happy. I bet that was a neat day for you guys too. We will yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah, it felt good. Welcome to the Successful Contractor Podcast, powered by Success Group International, a show for residential contractors about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys, share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houchin. Hey there, podcast listeners. I'm so excited to bring to you a story about some dear friends of mine, Kurt and Brenda Krause of Amps and Volts Electric in Valparaiso, Indiana. Kurt and Brenda have a tremendous story, and I'm talking to them today because they finally hit a huge milestone last year. 
their two and a half truck company surpassed the $1 million mark in revenue. And they did it with a hugely impressive 18.5 net profit. Way to go, Kurt, Brendan team. Kurt and Brenda have been a part of the SGI family for a long time, since we started Electrician Success International in 2004. And their journey to reaching this summit has not always been easy. There have been bumps and bruises along the way. But I'm proud that they've kept working, they've kept implementing, they've kept changing both the business and themselves. And today, Amson Volts is in a tremendous spot to truly grow, if that's what they want, or they can just continue to enjoy a highly profitable company. These two, Kurt and Brenna, are a picture of resiliency. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Kurt and Brenda Krause of Amson Volts Electric, and I hope you take away a nugget or two. Kurt and Brenda, thank you so very much for joining us today. Uh, could you please share with uh, the listeners tuning in your names, your company name, and where you are located? Well, my name is Kurt, and uh, our company is Amps and Volts Electric. We're in Valparaiso, Indiana. Very just good. Off the, just off the tip of Lake Michigan. And, uh, and uh, I'm Brenda Krause. I'm his wife. And Very we good. run the business together. Lovely. Great. Awesome. I'm super excited to have you guys on. For those listening, I've known these two for a very long time. They're fantastic people. Um, and just really excited to share their story with you all. Uh, just so everyone uh, can get an, an idea of the size of your business, can you kind of share with everyone, how many uh, how many technicians do you have in the field currently right now? We have two full-trained technicians running trucks um, mm-hmm. with two apprentices. Very good. And do you have a third truck that you run here and there, or is it primarily just the two right now? We have a third truck that Kurt will get in, and he'll run a emergencies. He will run out and help the technicians, or he yeah. will run an overflow if we get behind on other big jobs and don't want to turn away somebody or bump them. Sure, sure. That's great. Very good. Very good. And, and we are... Uh, talking today because you've got a lot of cheerleaders at, at SGI for you guys. You had a great 2020 in the stranger here. Uh, kind of share with everyone your big milestone that you hit uh, in 2020. So um, our big milestone that we hit in 2020 is we we exceeded the $1 million mark. It's something that we've had our eye on for a very long time. So it was, uh, it was huge. It was a huge milestone for us. That's wonderful. And more importantly, you did that uh, at the at the right percentage. So I know you pulled up that 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 report there. What what did you guys end up finishing uh, last year profitability wise? Eighteen and a half percent. Oh man, that's fantastic. Good for you guys. That's that's phenomenal. Well, great. Well, we're going to dig into uh, how that exactly happened this last year in a little bit. But I what I always really enjoy in these interviews is uh, learning people's histories and how they got into business and and, and then. All the changes that came along the way, I think you can learn so much from learning people's stories. So let's uh, let's start from the beginning. I'm assuming, Kurt, you were the one that got you guys in this industry. How did you uh, end up in the electrical field? Both my parents were electricians, and we wired houses on the weekends. And at five years old, I could go through the crawl space real fast. Um, come 1984, I passed my first electrical exam. And became an electrical contractor at the age of 16, which I don't know if you're allowed to do that anymore. But (laughs) at that time, I I was really proud of myself and and had started a company and actually had two people working for me. And it grew and grew and grew up into the 90s. 
when um, uh, I learned about uh, uh, hostile union takeovers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, I went union. And okay. uh, after going union, I got a great education. Um, wonderful, wonderful things. So I got to see the other side as well as the, the union and the non-union side. I got to be on both sides. Mm -hmm. Got a great education. Um, went industrial, and then, and then uh, we opened up amps and volts. Like uh, Brenda was saying, in 1996, I was thinking about it already, and uh, wasn't long after that. I think 98, we opened up uh, shop and just went into it blindly, no business plan, no nothing, and just said we're going back into business. I thought it'd be as easy as it was before, but. The game had changed at that point, mm -hmm. and uh, here we are today. Um, we well, we bumped into, uh, we kept getting these letters from ESI to join, and it was a real stressful point in our life. And I think it was the second letter you wrote me that uh, I Probably said. About the tenth. It might have been the tenth. <laughs> letter, because we were taking care of aging parents and oh, trying yeah. to keep our business afloat and take care right. of aging parents at the same time yeah well, well yeah so wait real real quick before we dig into the uh into the profit day story brenda were, have you always been in the business what what was your background before you started into this um i worked for eye doctors my almost my entire adult life until i met kurt okay so i was medical what what year did you guys meet um we actually met in 1996 okay. um we um, and actually the formal date for Amps and Volts Electric is May first, nineteen ninety nine, okay. and we got married May eleventh of nineteen ninety nine. Oh wow! What so, a good, okay, in lockstep, right? Okay. <laughs> and like he said, we we jumped in head first with no business plan. We just said, let's do this. No money, no no loan from the bank. Just yeah. let's just do this. We we bought oh. a van and said, let's do this. A lot of gumption. That does great. <laughs> All right, so we you probably, start. To, we probably we probably didn't do it the best way, but we did it and it worked, so I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, we well, got a great story as a result. Um, all right, so you started getting uh, all these letters, probably from a guy named Patrick Kennedy back then in 2004, and yeah. talking about we used to call them success days back then. Uh, so what what finally made you decide to go? Uh, did, did you get a call or did you call us? We we called you guys. Um, I had get, gotten these letters over and over and over, and I was the one running the office. So I would, the first couple letters, I read it and then just threw it in the garbage. <laughs> uh, I was too busy to deal with this stuff. And I'm like, oh, it's another sales letter. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the the more I kept getting them, um, the more I got a gut feeling that, that it was meant to be. Yeah. And, and we were struggling. We had a lot of debt mm -hmm. and it kept talking about how they could help us run our business properly, um, get rid of any debt that we had and, and be right. profitable. Right. And, um, we were doing mostly new construction back then, but okay. we had already, um, I had already divided the financials up between new construction and service work. Good. And I had already before ever joining had told Kurt the money's in the service work. We need to get rid of new construction. Yeah. So um, 
we finally got a letter and I actually had a moment where my sister was going to take care of my mom and we could get away for a, a profit day. So, um, we called you guys and it was, it was going to go on in, in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. So, so we hopped in our, our work van and drove to Atlanta, Georgia in our, in our work van. Tell them where we went, what hotel they had that. It was at the Waverly. We oh. were in, we were in a mini Dodge cargo caravan decked out with signage. Yeah. In our uniforms. In our uniforms, nice. and we walked into the Waverly. And yeah. felt a little out of yeah. place. You want to feel out of place? Oh, my. Oh, my. You were the right place, though. You were at the right place. That's funny. You were. Oh, we wow. Were. So, so you we went car. home and bought the bedding when we got back. Is that? Oh, is that right? You're like, this is <laughs> yeah. good stuff. That's yeah. neat. That's neat. So um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know who did Profit Days back then. And I think Patrick even did those initial ones, right? So I I think he was there. I, I'm pretty sure I remember him being there. Yeah. Jim Abrams was sitting up front, and he's the one who signed us up. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you guys were certainly founding members. So just in general – oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. That's okay. And when at that success day, um, they said a lot of things that were really awesome. Right. But the the thing that they said that I knew this was the right organization for me was they said, "There's no money in new construction. You need to do service work." Right. Right. And I'm like, so, these people think like me. This yeah. this is our place. We need this. Right. Very good. All right. So, so you guys signed up. Kurt, what did you think? Were you were you like, ah, let's give it a shot? Were you were you reticent? I was scared to death. I just gave you the last of my money. Right. I had to have gas money to get back home. I was wondering right. if my credit cards would get me there. Sure. Um, on the way back home, I memorized the price book. Is that right? When I got, yeah, I memorized everything in it. When I got back home, there was no ifs, ands, or buts. We implemented it. Because you have to know what you're gonna, what one percent thing you're gonna take away that you're gonna implement first. It's the price right. guide. If you right, don't right. charge the prices, you don't belong in the organization, and we yes. couldn't afford to be. So, That's well, right. at that time too, the success day was uh, in the fall in September, right, and right. in Atlanta, and then the expo was a separate thing. But August we, and then we, or August, we went August. And then, like a week or two later, was the the yes. expo. So that's actually yeah. when we got our book. Yeah, and it so. was that that was in Atlanta too. It was in Marietta. Yeah, wasn't it? yeah. I was there. I remember that one. That and, and there was a tour of Patrick's office. Was there not? Yes. Yes, there yes. was. Yes. Well, man, good memories. Very good memories. So, okay, you the price book. You you nailed that. That was the first thing you guys had to do. What were two or three other things? On that drive back home, we went, okay, we have to get the you know price book for sure. And, you know, the prices will increase with it. How about like uh, we always talk about the value aspect. If you're going to charge more, you have to look like you deserve to charge more, right? Did you guys have yeah. to go back like to clean up the uniforms a little bit? Well, we, we, <laughs> we, we did. We had uniforms back then, yeah. but we didn't have name tags on them or any like logos or anything. And so his mom was a seamstress. So we, she made us patches and sewed them on because we didn't have any money. Yeah, yeah sure. But they looked, they looked better and more professional. And yeah. um, 
on that drive home from the expo, because we drove the same minivan to the expo. Sure. Uh, on that drive back, he drove back and I quizzed him and tested him over the price book. That's how he memorized it. But wow. I also sat down then when he was driving and I made out a list of all the things that we wanted, that we needed to do. And then yeah. we started talking about which ones we could do quickest. Yeah. It would have the least amount of cost and the most impact first. Great, great. So we came back and we bought little red rugs to throw out to look yeah. professional. That was yeah. one of them, the red rugs, making sure we used the price book. He was memorizing the whole steps to a service call. I quizzed Good. him on that, and he we role-played all the way home on that. That's great. So we started answering our phones different the minute we got back because I was the one answering the phone. Sure, sure. So. That's and cool. to hear yourself answer the phone the first time, if you've never done it right, it's <laughs> horrible. Because this is what they did. Our first expo, they had, since we joined, they yeah. secret shopped us. Yeah. And then they played some of them at the expo. And then they gave us a CD recording of our phone call that they recorded. Yes. And said, go yeah. home and work on this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're, you're bringing up stuff. It's it's. Uh up the echoes i remember i remember that we used to have tables outside of the conference rooms with little cd players with headphones you could listen to the mm. you could listen to the cd right outside and the looks on people's faces were always priceless holy right. cow how, how technology has changed um that's funny so great okay so you realize right away i gotta get on top of the phone strips that's wonderful um yeah. let's see how about uh we, you know you can memorize the, the book how about, you know, this goes in, in, in line with uh, the phone phones while we're talking about that um, real quick. Service fee. Did you guys, a dispatch fee, did you guys uh, institute one of those right away? Immediately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 49. We we decided on the way home what price it would be. Right. And we decided 49. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. Mm-hmm. And we did it right away. And it yeah. was uncomfortable for me on the phone at first. It was really uncomfortable. But I just did it anyway. We knew this had to work. If this didn't work, it would break us because it was so expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Right, right. No, it was a big leap of faith. Talk about the kind of customers that you started uh, turning turning away from you because of that and how that, that, you know, what what that meant to the types of calls Kurt was running then. Um, Kurt did no more free estimates. And so we got rid of those. Shoppers, light, light those, bulb lickers. The so light bulb lickers. <laughs> and we got more serious people. And and I was surprised at this. We lost very few previous customers. We had a lot of customer previous really good customers that mm-hmm. we had worked for, and I was worried that we would lose them. Right. And we we lost very few of them, a very small percent, less than two or three percent. Yeah. They, they value you guys more than you realized. How about that? Yeah. And that's something. Yeah. How about, um, you know, we talk a lot about um, safety inspections and then building options off of uh, the safety inspection. And obviously the reason why you got called out, doing diagnostics and charging for those, all that kind of stuff. Did that did that come along right away for you guys? Did you, did you get that stuff in place? Sometimes I know for newer members, and that was a long time to remember back then, but is that something you, you started doing right away? It was about six months out before um, we started getting that on our brainstorm brilliance, something that uh, used to be done where we all talked about it and everybody would throw them up there. 
yeah. we only won one time, but uh, yeah. Brainstorm Brilliance was really cool because you'd have everybody in the room deciding what should be on that inspection report. And they right. got down, kicked down dirty. and But in the end, there might be five or six of them up there mm -hmm. and everybody could choose what they were going to put together on their own mm -hmm. and uh, run with it. Yeah. And it took him a little practice to start to start using them. Mm -hmm. um, I think that was kind of along with your question. Um, yeah. He tried to start using them obviously right away sure. and he would do them, but he didn't really like then after doing the inspection, reach out and ask the people, do you want to fix this or should, do you want to go ahead and do this extra option? Right. He kind yeah. of gradually learned how to yeah. do that. Because we're sure. teaching ourselves, and oh, that was really that was really really early on on teaching yourself. Yeah. Um, ESI I mean, and SGI has come so far as far as like helping people on board. It, yeah. And I'm not saying it was bad back then; it was a wonderful yeah. organization back then. But they have come leaps and bounds since then yeah. to help the new uh, new members get going easier because it's really overwhelming. Yeah. Well, to be honest, you guys are kind of the guinea pigs. You're the first new trade we broke into uh, in years, you know, right. and I know there was a lot of development as we were bringing people on board. So uh, it, was a, it was a fun ride, though. It was a good ride. It was yeah. A positive oh, ride, so, yeah. Um, I got to ask about uh, maybe training back then. So how how you guys got yourselves um going with, with answering the phones and with, with doing the calls. Did you go to a success academy back then, or did you guys just work together as a team to keep role playing? We, we did go to success academy. I mean, they gave us some training at, at the initial, like they used to not have separate days for new people. The executive perspective perspective yep. used to be the first days of expo. Right. So it, you could show up every year and go to executive perspective the first couple of days, and then it was the regular expo. But we did that first, and then we did sign up as soon as I had we had a little money. Uh, Kurt went to uh, training at Success Academy, which was slightly different back then. And then um, it was I, different. I I actually, as we started to grow really fast, suddenly I hired on another person to help me answer phones because I was also doing all the bookkeeping and I was also working at a couple other jobs at the time and I was also going to school full time six credit hours a semester mm -hmm. so I, I hired on a second person to help um, that was going to do a lot more of the call taking as I transitioned more to the bookkeeping right and but her and I went came went to success academy together when it was in St. Louis right. so when we used to uh, come to St. Louis for it. And so that was really, really super helpful even back then. Um, mm. it, it, it just, you learn a little, but just to go to the class and be around all the other call takers and be able to learn from the instructors there that are awesome. And then also be able to role play and practice with other call takers and talk to other call takers about what's your sticking point or how you handle this objection. What would you say to this? And mm -hmm. that's beneficial. Absolutely. Right. Kurt, did you go to Power Performing Tech? I think that's what it was called back then. Um, I went to the first one. I don't know what they called it. Um, <laughs> they made up a name. Uh, yeah. 
I went to Atlanta, Georgia. We left after work in that same minivan. Yeah. And on the way down, we blew a serpentine belt at about two in the morning. Oh, geez. And uh, we were running on battery power. So we managed to get to the hotel because there was uh, really friendly gangs in Atlanta, Georgia at that hour of the morning. Uh Really respected (laughs) people. Um, And uh, that's another story. But um, we did get to the hotel. And the next morning, we went out first thing as soon as the auto parts store was opened up. We tore the van apart, put a new serpentine belt on it, went to the class, which was, um, they drove us to there at that time. um, I can't remember, Brooke, I don't remember who it was, but somebody drove us there and uh, brought us back. It was her first day, so it was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, And I hung out with uh, Patrick Kennedy and went through his whole shop down there. It was basically what it was. Yeah. Um, not really teaching you. I don't know. Uh, you go on right, right along with one of the Sparkies and learn. Yeah. You know yeah. how they were how they were doing things. Um, I think that we went with the Patrick Junior. Oh, Patrick Thomas. Yes. I know who you're talking. Anyway. About. Here, yeah, I'm yeah. hearing all sorts of old names. That's great. Right. Very right. good. Old stories. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, um, so much of. Uh, as I remember you guys from back in the day, was the was the profit platoon that you guys were in. And I know, I think you guys, you know, there's, I think pretty much you guys are the remaining members, right? From the, the original profit platoon, which bet for people listening, a profit platoon was a, a group of members that would uh, get together and they'd hold each other accountable and they'd meet and they work together. And you guys got to be really uh, fast, good friends with everyone. So talk about uh, how profit platoon kind of helped you in those those early days? So um, we didn't have tag and we had our right. uh, tag groups. We didn't have those. And we had our coach, but I, I always felt like I was bothering Brooks <laughs> or Landon. Landon so, Brewer. Um, yeah. So the platoons were helpful because <clears throat> they gave you somebody to help hold you accountable. They mm-hmm. gave you somebody to, just like the, what we do at the expos when we talk to other members, and we get ideas. It's great for that. And it's more on a regular basis. And yeah. we actually traveled. Our platoon traveled to uh, each of our shops monthly. We rotated. Yeah. So every month we were at one of our shops. And they we tried to somewhat keep them close, but we didn't have close by people. Right. So the closest one was Tom McCormick, if you remember that oh, yeah. name. And oh, he was in North Liberty, Indiana, which is a, a little over an hour, hour and a half from us. Yeah. Um, and then um, we had a couple people in Michigan, so Kalamazoo and um, all the way up uh, by um, Detroit, Detroit, Troy, Michigan, Detroit, Troy, right. Michigan. We had a member in Virginia. We drove to Virginia in a minivan mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, with all our members, me and like five guys. And yeah, that's not fun. <laughs> Uh-huh. They don't like it when I took my shoes off in the car after 13 hours. <laughs> but those people were like family to us. Yeah. And we could pick up the phone any time of day or night yeah. and call each other if we needed any kind of help at all. We right. sent we sent technicians to each other's shops to help out if like we were one of our shops was slow and the other one was having storms or an overload or anything yeah. like that. Any That's kind of tech great. issues, we would kind of lease each other's techs. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and 
You even had a plan if something happened to one another, if I remember. We, we I, did. It sticks in my mind because it was so remarkable how close you guys were to feel you had that kind of uh, trust to each other. Yes, we, we all put together um, plans for if something happened to an owner of another company right. of what that owner wanted to happen and who would help, uh, you know, assist with that transition. Right. So, and it's called the hit by a bus. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, you guys were very, is it, is, uh, is going out to dinner with you guys back then and, and just seeing you guys interact. It was, it was neat to see how close you all were. So yeah. I had, I, I'd be amiss not to bring that up. Um, yeah. all right. So let's, let's talk about, so this is, you know, 2004, 2005, six, you know, you guys are, are getting things rolling. Um, Obviously, we had a, a big old recession right there in the middle. I remember it well. I'm sure you guys do. How, how did that affect business back then? What did, what did it mean to you guys? Um, it, it did affect us. Yeah. Um, in our area, we have a lot of steel mills and industrial. And a lot of them actually closed their doors and laid everybody off. Yeah. So obviously, a lot of the people they laid off were our customers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then all the electricians that worked in all these places became electrical contractors, service contractors overnight. Sure. So our, so you know, we had a lot more people we were competing, quote unquote, competing with. Mm-hmm. And then we had a lot of people in the area not working. So, you know, it became more um, repairs that needed to be done or had to be done versus mm-hmm. hang my chandelier and I want this done and I'm remodeling. And it was rough. We actually had a little bit of of rescission in our own business where we we, we lost some traction, sure. um, which was frustrating and right. frustrating. And it kind of set in in our minds a little. And um, it actually caused us to go into a little bit of a slump where we actually, as the recession went away, we actually kind of held ourselves back down a little bit for a couple of years. That was yeah. true. And we had to, we had to like. <clears throat> step out of that. We had to get out of that cycle of holding ourselves down. It was, yeah. and it was hard. It was what? It was me. It was. It was me. I was holding us back. Yeah. Well, it's it hard just, for an owner to say, you know? Sure. It happens. Well, ultimately, you're accountable. I know you're accountable to each other, but you're really accountable to yourselves. And when there's a lot of negativity and struggle going on, I think it's very natural to feel that way. I think a lot of people do. So, yeah, so Kurt, how, how did you guys ultimately kind of change your mindset a little bit and go, hey, we can we can go ahead and, and keep pushing for this million dollar thing. We can we can do this. We can get more profitable, and we can have a better business. What what how did you change your mindset? The the first thing I did is I I reached out to some coaches, mm-hmm. um, and did a lot of talking to them and got a lot of ideas to help keep Kurt motivated or to remotivate him. Um, And then I also reached out to a fellow member who's a big part of um, somebody who speaks at the the expos and Uh asked for some help. I I, I asked for help. Yeah. And all those people that I asked for help were there and gave us help. Yeah. And and gave us encouragement and gave us help and showed us the way to get back on track. Right. So. Kurt, how about for you? When did the like the light come on? Like, hey, okay, I got, I can, I can do this. Let's let's change the mindset. Let's get more positive. Let's get focused forward. Was there 
a moment you recall where you're like, okay, you know, I need to quit acting how I've been acting, and I, I know we, we can we can do better and, and have a better business. Ah, the Mountain Mover uh, series of attitude adjustments, yeah. and I'm excited about your future. Oh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, so, um, I talked to Terry on the phone a lot, and uh, he's very motivational. I mean. Yeah. He's got his issues now, but he's a very motivational person. So sure, sure. Um, I do like to still listen to him talk. So I think I will have him speak for us again at one of our company meetings. So yeah, uh, yeah. No, no. He's he was very good at, at that at that aspect for sure. Uh, absolutely. So okay. So let's so let's talk. So we get through the recession. You when did you guys start noticing an upward trajectory again in the business where? Maybe things had stagnated. When did when, well, the, when did the positivity train get rolling? We we had taken our son and told him he was not allowed to come back to work for us until he worked somewhere else. Okay. Now he went to work for a sales company of crazy things. He's terrified of sales, but okay. he went to work um, of all things life insurance. And if anybody's ever sold life insurance, they know what I'm talking about. You make 700 calls just to get a uh, somebody to to get your week filled with uh, appointments. Right. And anyway, so that's what he was doing. And he was doing pretty darn good at it. Matter of fact, he was making some pretty great money. And then the railroad came along and offered him a job because he's a real friendly person. And he could have moved really high up into the railroad organizations Mm -hmm. and starting out at 60,000 a year, but there's no way I could pay him 60. So that's when I took a turn to Brenda and I said, Brenda, he gets in that railroad, we won't get him back out, you know. In my mind, I'm thinking I haven't talked to my son, but yeah, and that's probably about the time that I said it's time to change, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he'd been doing electric work since he was born because that's what I made him do, just like my sure. parents did to me. I figured, you know, enslave your family is the first thing <laughs> you should do. That happens a lot. And, uh, yeah. When he came back, I think was the turning point. Mm. When was, was that? Uh, what Oh my! Um, Somewhere along the twenty-year span. Um, yeah, um, I'd have to look that up. I don't even know. Um, I think it's been fifteen years. Let's oh, see. okay. So it was a while ago. Well, no, about I want to say it was because he graduated high school in two thousand eight. He went to college for four years, and right after college is when I told him he had to go work for someone oh, else because point. he kind of took things for granted a little bit. Um, just a little. Plus, I also yeah, wanted to see him to see how different companies did different things. Right. I wanted him to be more well-rounded. Sure. Um, and it hurt him. It hurt his feelings when I did it. But yeah. But I told him that after a year, you can come back, and if we're hiring, you can apply for a job, and right. um, I will consider you. I will interview you, just like all the other candidates. Yeah. It's not. You can't just come back and just come back. You have to earn your way back. Which he did. And I said, only do that if you really think you want to someday inherit and own the company. Right. And so that's what he did. And he was the best interviewee I ever had. Yeah. (laughs) He had all the right answers. He really, (laughs) I felt he had taken ownership. Yeah. uh, In his own mind. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and, and he said that me making him go somewhere else for a year and actually fire him, firing him, so to speak, was mm-hmm. the best thing I could ever have done for him. Right. 
So I'm glad I did that. He didn't have the safety net that he just felt like he always had. No, no. And then when he came back, though, I think that was really motivating to Kurt and I both to make sure that he could make the money that he wanted to make here and that he had something valuable to inherit. That's great. That's wonderful. So that had to be around 2014 or so. If he graduated. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. 2013, 2014, right in there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Very good. So he he's currently running one of the trucks in right now. Yep. Yeah. He's a rock star. Right. Fantastic. <laughs> Very good. All right. So let's Obviously, talk. if we're over a million and we've got two rock stars, yeah. you can figure out in your mind what that they make. Yeah, they're doing they're all right. New, right. They're paid new comps. So... I mean, okay. they're both over a hundred thousand a year on their new comp, right there. Well, one's right at it, and one's over it. So yeah, that's great. I mean, that's yeah. it, that's just awesome here. Um, when did you guys do new comp? Did you do that right away back in the day? Uh, the first thing we tried was just like a percent, a commission percentage. That was yeah. ESI's original, and and right. then we didn't. That didn't work as well. And then ESI came up with the new comp, and yeah. so I said, let's do this. And so when they came out with it, we did it, mm-hmm. and we just stuck with it. Stuck we with wound it. up losing one employee when we changed from the 25% to the new comp because it was less, right. but it was all right, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean it, that, that. It was an employee that needed that that yeah. wasn't wasn't meant to be here, so yeah. it's okay. Talk because I I hear all the time still uh, contractors that are in the group they go. Well, I like doing, you know, I like doing commission, you know, the percentage. What what were some of the maybe issues that you had run into by, by that being your your your, your pay structure? Two couple things. Um, I'll go first, and then Kurt may need to add to this as well. One yeah. of the things that I had issues with when it's a straight percent that sometimes your materials on certain types of jobs are a lot higher, and so, and then we had our commission percent that super high like mm-hmm. it was supposedly in the 25 percent range but somehow on those certain jobs where materials ran high it would it would throw our numbers off yeah um so number one that was it number two uh our our one guy would only try to sell ten thousand dollar jobs forty thousand ten to forty yeah. yeah, he didn't try to sell anything less than ten thousand yeah. dollars ever. Mm-hmm. So I have an issue with that because not everybody's going to do the ten thousand dollar job. Sure. So you started letting a lot of uh, dispatch fee only calls and yes. walking. Yes. 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 Poor closing. He was, when he closed, it was a huge job, yeah. but his closing rate was was lower. He'd spend six hours to close a job. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. And probably I mean, he would. Lot. He would do the ESI thing. He'd yeah. go through, and they yeah. said at first, you do that 12-point, you go through, and you find everything you can. But yeah. in the end, people feel felt that the customers felt like they were getting raped. I mean, yeah. they actually came to me and said. Scare tactics. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. We got a lot, heard a lot from people that he used scare tactics. Yeah. Yeah. There's that, that temptation because of the percentage. You know, there's certain people that are just money hungry, and that's and that's. You know that's what they'll they'll do. I I've heard that as well. Are there any other issues that you that you had with commission structure? Just I think this would be beneficial for people to hear that. Uh, commissions. 
I, I like the new comp because it balances out your materials and yeah. the labor and the time. Because if you look at it and how ESI built their prices for each level is it's based on a time study. Right. And nobody does time studies better than Patrick. He went through and he did a lot of time studies. Right. Right. Well, the receptacle takes this long. It takes 15 minutes. Should be done in 10, but 15's max. Yeah. And then he would say the receptacle at that time cost 19 cents. Today, you're five bucks. <laughs> but um, so they would actually look at it and they would um, calculate it differently than if it was a panel. Yeah. Um, whereas they'd say, well, a panel's four and a quarter hours max, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and and it just seems that the materials and the labor, like Brenda says, gets out of whack when you're doing your deemers and weemers and you start looking at it. Back then it was all paper. We still have them paper yeah. stacks. Yeah. They can fill a house. and. Sure. We just kept looking at that, and we knew that it wasn't working right because our percentages were always off. And then the platoon said, nope, you need to go with new comp. So then we all sat down, and we all discussed new comp. Mm -hmm. yeah, the other thing I think is when you're going straight commission, that um, your some of your technicians hear sales mm -hmm. more than I'm a technician and an advisor to the customer. And I right. think when you're new comp, it's more per task. Mm -hmm. So it is incentivized, but they don't hear I'm a salesperson because salespeople are paid commission. Right. So I think you can scare some of your good technicians off by using the word commission as well. Sure. Sure. So, but it's good though. New comp locks in your labor percentage, right? So that became one less right. headache yeah, that you right. didn't have to constantly monitor. Um, uh, yeah, I, yeah. And we still don't have to. <laughs> Support for this podcast comes from Owens Corning Air Care Contractor Program. Uncover hidden opportunities and take your HVAC business to the next level with Owens Corning. Owens Corning has done the work to provide you with a turnkey system. From sales training to in-home tools with a simple story that practically sells itself. Add duct replacement and attic installation to your service offering as part of our program and elevate your sales today. For more information, visit owenscorning.com retrofit contractor. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to my conversation with Kurt and Brenda Krause of Amson Volts Electric in Valparaiso, Indiana. In the first half of our chat, we talked about their decision to start the business, along with why they joined SGI. We also explored many of the early changes they made to the company that set the foundation for its success today. In part two of my interview with Kurt Brennan, we're going to talk about what's helped them turn Amson Volts from a solid business into a highly profitable enterprise ready for exponential growth. And we talk about the culture that Kurt and Brenda have nurtured within the company and how they rewarded their team when they finally hit that big milestone goal of a million dollars. So let's jump back into my conversation with Kurt and Brenda. Uh, it's a gross margin business, right? And so we talked about labor percentage. Um, how have you been able to get your materials where you needed to be? I mean, uh, a lot of that is efficiency in the trucks and making sure they have what they have. and They're not running out to, you know, all the time to get parts because they didn't miss the part in the back of a truck or, you know, stuff like that. So how did you get your replenishment 
you know, figured out? How did you get your materials figured out? So, you know, you guys could run efficiently in the field. Has that just been a process over the years? It, it has taken some time. Our, our, yeah. our, our process used to be when Kurt and Chris, and Chris is my son that came back, were in the yeah. truck. They had cards off of our bank account. So it was really easy for them to just go replenish every day at the end of the day or a couple of days later what they had used. The problem with it was is they didn't always buy the exact amount. So you never knew how much you had on the trucks, number one. Sure. Number two, they didn't always keep their trucks. Kurt was good, but Chris was not always good about keeping his truck clean. So if yeah. he couldn't find something, he would just run to the store and buy it. Yeah. And so then we would end up finding that we had a stack stack of like 30 of something that we don't use that often. Right. So right. the the key was coming up with a true inventory system. And mm-hmm. it's hard when you first do it. It's mm-hmm. work. Yeah. It is a lot of work on the front end. Yeah. But it, it has totally got our our percentage of our of our materials down so much from where it was. We were always in the 25, 30% range on materials. Yeah. And, you know, we run right now, we've been running really not more than 18%, usually around 15% yeah. Um, yeah. on materials. So that's a huge drop. Um, yeah. And just knowing what you have, and we have a system now. So we use our, our the guys use it on the truck. We have an app that, that, that we use for, with service line, but we use the app. And so they have to put in the materials they use on the job. Yeah. Um, we use POs. So if they do say they need something that's not on their truck, they have to call and get a PO. Good, they have to tell good. us what they're buying and what job it's for. And that's they have good. to buy the exact quantity that they need or mm-hmm. take back what they don't use. Yeah. Um, um mm-hmm. so that, that makes a huge difference. Like, and then service line puts together like a, um, uh, the POs for us if we have our vendors in there. Kurt can then take things off the PO or add additional things on if he thinks we need them before he sends them out to our main supplier. We have one main supplier of most stuff, and then they deliver once a week because we're only two trucks, so once a week works for us. Sure, sure, that's great. You you mentioned service line. I got I got to ask about it. I I, I apologize. I should have known you hopped on service line. How long have you guys been using service line? Uh, almost since they started, um, not the very first, not the very first expo that they came out, but probably the one right after that. Wow. Did, what what, would you come from Successware or did you not have anything at that point? No, I, I was using, um, I was using smart service software. It's out there in the public. Um, and, um, it just didn't, there were things that I wanted it to do. It it had its benefits. Don't get me wrong. But there were a few other things that wasn't tailored for an SGI company. So I could create a few um, reports myself in there that that were tailored to us. But yeah. service line coming from within is more tailored to our company. Yeah. Right. So I jumped on it um, as soon as it was compatible with QuickBooks because it wasn't at the very beginning. Sure. Yeah, you've you've seen lots of growth with that over time. Yeah. Um, what are some other things that's helped uh, simplify the business, or you know, made made you guys more efficient, more profitable? Um, Building options. I'm, are you doing that in there? Yeah, options, 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 options. 
Yeah, we've got a, a pretty cool option. I mean, obviously, if you're using service line, you can use options. So we can build up three different options <clears throat> or four or five. I know that you get beyond three uh, people's heads spin. So three options works pretty good. Very we good. still like the guys to build them on paper, though, too. Yeah. That's something fine. about showing that piece of paper to the client. Sure. Uh, even though we've gone mostly paperless, there's a couple of things that we still think that paper makes an impression on the customer and yeah. shows more value to the customer in certain ways. I, I think it's a market by market thing. Um, I know lots of people who do it very well with paper still because of that. You know, certain people, you know, in certain markets, they would prefer something digitized. How do you transfer it then over to service line? Do you do it? Does the tech do it right then or does he do it? Uh, well, as long as you know the numbers in your book, you're okay. 3M. Uh, 5Z, 6. So when you're writing it out by hand, write the number in there. Mm-hmm. So then you can just put it straight in. I mean, hit the button, go, hit the button, go, hit the button, go. Got yeah, it. so they Got put it, it in the they iPad too. And they get a signature on the iPad. And for most customers, the iPad is nice. Um, mm-hmm. When you get the older customers, the older customers really, really appreciate paper. Sure, sure. And uh, we still can snap a picture of that piece of paper and upload it to our debriefing, or the technician can. He's required right. to, because I want to see that you really did offer them something. You weren't out there going for that $40,000 ticket again, for goodness sakes. And if you don't get that, you don't want nothing. Exactly. Do you guys do a lot of pictures of the uh, of, of what they're observing and the stuff that they uh, they offer options on? So you have a history of that? Yeah. Yep. Lots of pictures. Lots service, of pictures. Service line has where you can you can set up in your settings to require a certain amount of pictures to debrief and to close a job and a certain amount of things done. Like they have a lot of, they're tailoring it very well that way so that you can require certain things. Like even the warehouse that they're on, by them selecting the warehouse, when they enter materials and we require that you put materials in. So if you don't have anything, I want you to put the word none in. You're required to put it in. Because I don't want you to miss anything because if you miss it, it's not going to get put back on your truck. If you miss it, service line calculates my gross margin. You're going to mess it up. Yeah. So then I make you come into the office. If you miss something, you're going to sit down with me or Brenda and mm-hmm. we're going to create it and put it in there. But you're going to take your time since you're taking on my time because you forgot to put it in. So yeah, I like them to take their time or I'll reopen another debrief and let them do it right there. Yeah. And let them Good. put it in there. Yeah, we we hold them accountable to make sure that they're putting the right materials in. If we look at it and it doesn't seem right, we we give them a call and and we're coaching style. We don't yell at people. We've got really great people, so we'll just call them up and go, "Hey, did you miss the materials on this?" (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Then we'll get it put in. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's and we 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 are pretty good about trying to watch tickets every single day. We right. miss days now and then when when there's yeah. all kinds of other crazy stuff going on, but right. we we are pretty good either Kurt or I about trying to pull up a few tickets every day to look at. Right. Them. Is remind me it's been a while since I've gone through a tutorial. Isn't there a spot where you can a customer has to sign off that they either didn't want a service inspection, right? Isn't don't they have to like order sign sign that that they didn't want the service inspection? And maybe the same thing with the club membership. I forget. Yeah, well, that's something that used to be really big. Service line is uh, marching to a tune that we'd like to get them more down that line of thinking. 
Yeah. I'd like to have them say, hey, I, you know, I authorize you to do the work for the above straightforward price. Right. Um, I tried to explain that to them. Yeah. Um, so we're working with them. We're working with them. Let's just say it like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know that they've, they've, I know there's been a lots of enhancements and um, yeah, we're yeah. getting, there's a lot of, there's a, a ton of new members coming on board, which is exciting because I've just yeah, heard it. They, they the listen. It's listen. easier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. Well, let's, um, let's shift a little bit. So you, you have the two trucks. Who's this other uh, gentleman running the other, the other truck then? How long has he been with you? Oh, well, uh, Kevin was here with us. Um, let's see. And he actually 90. Oh, wow. He worked for us in the late 90s. He was still with us when we joined ESI. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we were real small and still struggling when we first joined ESI. And he was engaged to be married and his his wife had medical conditions. And so she told him he had to find a job that had health insurance. And so he came to us and he talked to us and he said, is there any chance in the next year or two that you guys are going to get health insurance benefits? And at, at that time, we were just honest. We felt honesty was best. Yeah. So we were honest with him and said, you know, we want to do it. We really want to do it, but we don't see it in the next year or two. We're, we're, right. we're, we're getting there. Yeah. And so he, he left and took a job at the Indiana State Prison because of the benefits there. Mm-hmm. And he worked there for 15 years. And when he put his time in, and then his wife was able to find a job that has medical insurance for both of them now, and she's done with school. Um, he said, okay, I'm done with that. I want to go back and work where I enjoy working with people I like. Well, I bumped into him. I bumped into him at Menards because he was up there, and he was asking me a question, why do LED bulbs blink on this dimmer? Yeah. And I said, duh. And anyway, so I said, you know what? He, and he goes, how much do you charge for that? So I shot it straight out to him. Yeah. And he goes, Oh, oh my. And I go, <laughs> I go, you know, so how things going with you? He goes, Well, I'm almost ready for retirement already. You know, it's yeah. been 15 years after I can legally retire from a government job. Yeah. And uh, so I said, Oh, I think you should come back and work with us. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, we wired new houses together. I mean, I remember one of them was a four-story house, the last one we did together. So, yeah, um, anyway, it was cool. And next thing I know, he's like talking to Brenda, and we've got a no rehire policy. But she let when he left, he left on really good terms. I mean, like not like regular good terms, you know. Yeah. I didn't want him to leave, but I couldn't give him what he needed. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And he knew his work ethic, right? So again, he left yeah. all right. And he knew his attitude. Yeah, he he was honest with us and and we had open communication back then. And so I knew that he wasn't leaving because the grass was greener at another competitor. Yeah, Uh, I knew what his needs were and I knew I couldn't fill them. So, yeah. And he came back with beautiful um, abilities to read people because Mm -hmm. where he worked, he had to. That's a good point. So his abilities are like really pretty awesome and he's usually pretty close to right <laughs> yeah. that's interesting that's interesting so yeah. um what is the training process now for you know for the three the three of you sit down and, and just talk every morning about you know debriefing the, the previous day we do role plays how do you how do you keep each other sharp your skills sharp uh 
We try to, we, we meet quite often. I mean, every time we see each other, we're talking, or if they've got a problem, they're calling me on the phone immediately. Um, or if I've got a problem, I'm calling them. Um, right. um, they've actually moved probably beyond me and my skills. Uh, mm-hmm. I knew that right away. If I was holding things back because I wasn't um, hitting the numbers I was supposed to. And these mm-hmm. two just blew me away. Mm-hmm. It was part of the competitive between them, but. Yeah, and they do uh typically they have formal training at least once a week right. where Kurt picks a topic and plans it and does a topic and rotates the topics. Sometimes I'll throw a topic in and either he'll cover it or I'll I'll join and help. Um but um there's a lot of times that they're they're so good and they're so they both take ownership of this business. And mm-hmm. so when whenever they're not on a job or they get done early on one, they'll go sit with Kurt and talk about the jobs that they went on that day, talk about the jobs that they went on the day before. How could this? What was this? What was that? And they were open book. So even Kevin will go, well, what was my margin on that job? Did I do okay? Yeah. Because he wants to make sure he does okay. He wants our margins to be where they need to be. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's incredible. You know, when you get ownership from employees, that makes it makes it so much easier. Right? If you you know that they're in it to help you, you're there to help them, it makes it a great culture. Um I forgot to ask about your apprentices. You, you have one or two apprentices. I forget, I'm sorry. Two. Two. Now, how long have you been uh have you had an apprentice in each truck. Is that something new or have you been? This you is had- the second year for um, Fabian we had, yeah, and we the had- first year for Drew, but they both started at the same time and we yeah. utilized the IEC for our training. Good. Okay. So, so Fabian being the first apprentice, what I used to do was I alternated them, him like every other week or every couple weeks and switched them back and forth between technicians. And if I assigned him to a technician because I wanted him trained, I did not charge that technician. If the other technician had a really big job and wanted him, he had to like take the new comp with apprentice because we only had one. And I didn't think it was fair to pull him back and forth without doing that. Sure. Then they started performing. The technicians were performing so well. And I knew that we were growing. We were getting a lot more phone calls. So we said we should start another apprentice on. Yeah. Because we're, we're finding that it's hard to find electricians that are already trained technically that have the right mindset. So let's mold them from the ground up. Yeah. So that's what, that's what we determined we were going to do to grow our technicians as we were growing. And so we brought on the uh, Drew, who is the same year in the apprenticeship pool, but mm-hmm. had not been working for anybody electrically. So he's a little bit behind technically. Yeah. Um, but what we do now is they have such great numbers in their trucks that I don't charge them for their apprentice. Right. And I have decided they, they consistently meet or exceed their goals almost every month. Yeah. There's, there's probably two to three months out of the year that they don't quite hit their goal, mm-hmm. but they're really close. Yeah. So as long as they're performing that well, I'm not going to charge them for their apprentices. I just need to reevaluate and price myself a little different now that I have two. I did look at that and Sonia helped me calculate and figure some of that there out. There was a fight. Yeah. But um but if 
that's going to be my the way I do it all the time. And if I if I have a technician that's that's not consistently like coming close to goal or hitting goal, then yeah, you'll take new comp with apprentice if you want them. Right. And versus if I have a technician that consistently hits goal, I'm going to give you the technician and I'm going to cover it. Yeah. And so we've built that, we've built that into our budget now. That's great. To do that. And into our pricing. Into our pricing and budget. Yeah, right. Got to keep yeah. Got to keep that pricing updated. Um, we so are. It's great. In, uh, Go ahead, Kurt. I'm sorry. I was just going to say we're in the 325 book, and that's keeping two. That's apprentice and the technician in the truck. Um, yeah, it should be the 350, but it's right between 325 and 350. And uh, we'd gotten slack on not raising our prices. And I got tired of that guy yelling and screaming on the front of the stage, raise your prices. (laughs) So I just said, okay, fine. Let's do it. Just do yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Time to do it. That's, that's good. So when do you when will your apprentices even go be ready for their own trucks? When when's their apprenticeship done? Like another year or two? They have they um they're in the second uh half of their second year. Oh okay. but um our first apprentice, Fabian, had a little bit of construction background. Um his dad did some construction. Yeah. So he is very sharp. And he, mm-hmm. the technical has picked up very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. So we actually are this year, um, we bought an extra vehicle for this purpose. Um, yeah. we are going to put, start out with him in a truck one to two days a week as soon as busy season starts to pick up. Yeah. See how he does. Keep, keep tabs on him and help him. And Kurt's yeah. available to, to actually drive out and help him if need be or on the phone. And right. then if he's if he's doing really well, then we'll pick up another day or two. Um yeah. but he's there. He's there. I think he's gonna be able to we're really gonna be able to hit a lot more jobs this busy season that we turned away last year because he can run a, most of those calls. That's great. I, I went out with him and just to feel feel out the situation to see what Brenda was saying, is he ready? And what everybody was even he had in his own mind. Yeah. Hopped in the truck and said, here, run it. You know, here's yeah. the iPad. You know, he already knew the iPad. He knows how to enter all. He knows how to do everything, but he mm-hmm. hasn't done it on his own. So yeah. I stepped back and I said, here you go. Good. And if you had a question on something, I'd say, take this piece of paper and write out three options. Tell her you need some time to put your price together because yeah. you want to get her the best price possible. And we'll go out to the truck. And you'll be back in about 10 minutes and you'll have it put together. He did that. He went back in. She chose the top level. And then he did it again two more times after that. He hit like three $3,500 jobs in a row by offering that. So his average ticket looks really good. And he's got 100% closing because he was with me. I'm just kidding. But uh, so the confidence showing him. And building him up. Letting can, him do it just to see that he could do it. Make yeah. him feel good, you know. I, I bet he, he was walking a little taller after that day. Yeah. Yeah, I bet he's excited now. He can't wait. He is, he is. I got Pumped. his I got his phone to him. I, I got his iPad sitting on my desk, and I just have to get it. I have to go down to the Verizon store and get it activated so he has his own iPad and can get 
Yeah, his truck's fully stocked. Um, he's got an older E350 um, extended work van. It's uh, got um, uh, $14,000 in materials on it and about $8,000 in tools. Yeah. And I can tell you to a T what each thing is. He's got a brand new DeWalt sets and, and hammer drills and core drills. He's got it all. He's yeah. ready to run. You have to make sure your technicians have all the tools. Right. The and the materials yeah, there. I hear make a lot of job, people saying, oh, I make easy. the technician supply them because they'll damage mine. Well, I don't have that problem. I'd say, you know, I'm blessed because I hire the right people. But And, and you can get some people that damage stuff, but then you just bring it to their attention and say, hey, you you got to give me a new one, you know, when you do right. your like, monthly inspection, you know, you're missing your flashlight. My guys won't even tell me. They'll just go buy a new one real quick and stick it back in the van. You won't even know it. No right amps and bolts all over it, you know. And yeah. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. This is the same light. They Great take they take me. ownership of those tools, and, yes. and if they leave one behind, they replace it. They just do. We don't have to ask. And if the right they want a tool, they get it. Yeah, that's great. That's really good. That's really good. So, Kurt, what's it been? What's it been like for you? Um, out of the field full time is it i'm sure it took a while because you're very technically oriented and and you've got a great mind for it so what you know what, what what's the transition been like did it take a while no it, it was hard at first because it's like a baby and i still yeah. can't take vacations or or going to esi expos it's really hard on me to be away it's kind of like children the first time you leave your kids you know i don't know yeah. at least for me um but uh, it's it's coming easier and easier because I have free time. I've got time. Right. I have time. I've never had time. All of a sudden, because of the people that are in place, I have time again. And yeah. it's all training, 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 training. But he did have to transition into like finding what what tasks between him and I that he was going to take on right. in the business. Right. So he has taken on inventory management, which is he hadn't didn't really have time before when he was in a truck. So now, you know, he's got time to do that. He's had to learn a lot more about computers. Right. He was not a big computer person, but he's been so open minded and he works on things every day and he'll ask for help if he needs help with something on the computer. But sure. he's, he's learning so much more and can do so much more on the computer that he never thought he could do. Right. And it's allowed you guys to grow in the office, the back end. Right. You're not just tasked with as much. so. It helps the business grow. Yep, yeah. absolutely. But it helps me know what I got in inventory on each truck to the, I mean, I, I'm pretty close. I mean, it's on a couple hundred bucks, you know. I can yep. tell you, this is 17 here. You know, you've got 24000 on this truck, you know. Our ultimate truck's incredible. I wish I had a picture I could show you of what an ultimate truck really is. Yeah. It's bomb. I've been doing this a long time. It's, it's my dream truck. That's um, awesome. But the guys' trucks are really nice too. They've got uh, I've got two T250s that they run in, and then we've got the old E350 extended, and yeah. then we've got a we've got this monster cutaway that's huge that has a kitchen sink in it. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> it it's got a wash station in it. It's pretty sweet. No, that's great. Good for you guys. That's wonderful. Um, all right, so just kind of um, kind of in wrapping up, it sounds like you guys. Boy, you've got the apprentices. You guys are getting better on your back end. You are, po I think, you're poised to to really grow if you if that's what you want in the near future. Is that is that what you're you're hoping to do in the next three to five years, or what are you guys wanting to do? 
we we are hoping to continue growth, planned growth, because planned is important. Um, and and the last couple of years have all been planned growth. Um, budgets. So budgets, huge on budgets. We yeah. we create our budget every year. You know, we were running a little late because of some issues that came up, but we still did it. We got it done. It's done. Um, we. You know, and, and and we keep our, our all of our people on board with everything that we're doing and we try to stay open book to everything. Um just a, a one of the little stories, uh one of the reasons we were able to hit one million, um, even though it was COVID, is our initial uh revenue goal was like one point two million. Mm-hmm. And um Kurt questioned whether we were gonna hit it when COVID hit. And I questioned it a little, I and I but I still thought we could. Yeah, And I, I was keeping that mindset that like I was going to do it. I didn't care what happened out there in the outside world. Yeah, right. Well, so him and I like took some some little internal bad stunts and stuff and everything. But, but the technicians the kept te- their goal. The technicians, what I did was when Kurt thought we were going to do less is um, we, we have our budgeted revenue and then we have our goal revenue, which is a little higher. Yeah. Um, because the goal should be a stretch. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And you might not quite hit it, and that's okay if you don't, but it was a stretch. And then you have your your budgeted revenue that you are pretty confident and consistent that you will hit that because that's what your expenses are coming off of. Right. And so you better be pretty close. Yeah. Uh, but uh, when I kept the I kept the same goal, and so on our goal board that we post, which became digital since we're all mm-hmm. distance now, not people aren't coming in. When I broke it down for each of the technicians monthly, mm. um, I still left it at the 1.2. Right. And they did, they didn't know what I had it at. They just saw monthly that this is what sure. I'm supposed to hit monthly. And they right. kept that mindset. They kept going. And uh, one of my technicians had said to me, Kevin, he said, if we hit a million, and this was before COVID, if we hit a million, will you take us all to Disney? Really? And I said, yeah, that was what he asked me uh, in our yard one day when he was uh, picking up materials from us. Yeah, and in I, front of everybody. Yeah, and I and I just looked at him and I go, and I thought about it for a moment and I go, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> and so what I ended up doing, um, their paychecks um, that they are that they just got um, recently, um, since COVID hit, after that, I I couldn't send everybody to Disney and feel comfortable yeah. and sure. right, you're going to travel. Cause what if they don't want to travel even? Yeah. So I took and I sat down uh, a couple weeks ago and I put together the price of flights, airfare, meal allowance, rental car, travel, blah, blah, blah. all that stuff. And I took that amount per person <clears throat> and I just put it on their paycheck. And I said, I hope you guys are okay with this. This is your, this is your Disney trip. And if you feel comfortable going to Disney, take this money and go. Um, yeah. I just can't. I, you know, it's up to you. And right. if you and if you don't feel comfortable going to Disney, then use it for whatever you want. Wow. So. I bet that was a good day for everybody. They were pretty happy. They were pretty happy. I bet that was a neat day for you guys too. We will yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. It felt good. It felt yeah. Good. What what a what a journey. Um, last question I have for you, then we'll wrap up is, uh, what advice would you have for other members? Um, you know, any contractor, but any members maybe 
and all that you've learned over the last, you know, 16 years with us. So maybe some things that you would have done differently or just any advice in general that would help them expedite their, their success journey. Um, number one, um, use the tools and the training because it works. Um, and number two, keep your right mindset. And if you're having difficulty with your mindset, reach out, reach out for help and tell somebody because you have to be in the right mindset or you'll hold right. yourself back. Right. I'd say if you're going to come in this organization, don't reinvent the wheel. It's it's mm-hmm. like a recipe, for goodness sakes. Yeah. You don't take a recipe and come in the first time and say, I'm going to add some cayenne pepper to these chocolate chip cookies and make them <laughs> really good. You know, right. listen, just just follow the systems and don't try and implement more than you can because you'll overload yourself. Start simple. Pick, pick one thing to do. Even if you only pick one thing to do every month or Mm -hmm. one thing to do every week that you're going to implement. If you're really going gung ho, you could have 52 things implemented by the end of the year. Yeah. Just keep steady, right? Keep steady. But don't do more than you know you can commit to or you'll fail. And right. set dates for yourself to, to complete a, one of them. Set dates and work on that one until it's done. And mm-hmm. and if you if if something else causes you not to be able to do it, I mean it's okay to like move the date a little bit if sure. you absolutely. But don't move the dates constantly. I mean, right. hold yourself accountable to those That's dates. Good stuff. Great stuff. Well, guys. Kirk Brenda, thank you so much for all your time. This ran a little long, but this was so enjoyable. Tons of great nuggets of information. Um, just so thankful to have your time. Thank you for your friendship. Really appreciate you guys coming on today. Appreciate it. We enjoyed talking to you. To you. It's, good to, well, it's good to hear you. Next time we'll get the video for you guys too. All right. <laughs> yeah. all right. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. You too. You too. Bye. That's Kurt and Brenda Krause of Amson Volts Electric in Valparaiso, Indiana. Thanks for listening to the show. If you feel like you have a great story worth sharing that would also help other contractors, email me at bhouchen at yoursgi.com. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a rating. And remember, friends give fives. You've been listening to the Successful Contractor Podcast, powered by Success Group International. Support for this podcast brought to you by Goodman. Goodman Manufacturing Company LP produces a complete line of refreshingly affordable air conditioning and heating equipment. All Goodman brand products are designed, engineered, and assembled in the United States. For more information, visit GoodmanMFG.com. The Successful Contractor Podcast is a part of the Success Group International family. SGI is the largest member-owned best practices organization for independent residential services contractors. SGI provides its members a competitive edge through proven proprietary management tools and expertise, marketing programs, training, and group buying power, along with a highly active and eager-to-help membership. For more information about Success Group International, visit www.yoursgi.com. The Successful Contractor Podcast is a production of the Aquila Investment Group, LLC, All Rights Reserved 2021.